Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Milo and Ricky. Hello, gentlemen, how are you? Hi, Steph, Steph. we're good. Excellent, excellent. Yes, indeed. And uh, look, no spurs, no problem. We have plenty to dive into this week. And whilst this might seem unbelievable to you out there, we here at The Games About Glory can, you know, we can be a bit grumpy about certain aspects of modern life and by proxy football. I mean, Christ, some of us have only just got used to internet. And rather than block you from the pleasures of hearing some of our football grumbles, we thought instead we'd build a pod around them. So breathe a sigh of relief knowing that we will shortly be discussing crimes against football, where we'll talk about petty grievances around the modern game and whether they're justified or whether we're just being whingy old bastards. But before that, as we head into the week that was and a view of the World Cup finals which Milo will guide you through, I want you to take a collective minute and fall to your knees with us in salutation at this. Pulavini Ney, in esa sociedad pasa el fútbol de Brasil. De tres dedos para Rizal, esa golaza. Golaza. There was even more. <laughs> there was a whole other minute, but you get the idea. That is the voice of Andres Cantor, who first screamed, Goal! I won't replicate the time length, I couldn't. At the 1990 World Cup, has been to 12 and won six Emmy Awards in the process, and he works for Telemundo, the, uh, the, the Mexican uh, outlet here. Spanish, obviously. Sorry it wasn't Portuguese, but my God, that is the World Cup. He can't have ever smoked a cigarette in his life, can he, with that kind of lung capacity? It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It would be really disappointing to catch him commentating on a game when he's got COVID or just recovering from it and can't really do that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. He's he. Uh, it's, it's an unbelievably consistent performance from the man. I mean, he's been, he, he is, lit, I mean, he's world famous. Mm. I mean, I, I guarantee that probably half our listeners have, have already been checking this clip out several times. I mean, you know, he's world famous. We all remember those commentators from when he was younger, though. It always used to be that kind of, that central South American area and it used to just be such a, kind of romantic part of football you know it's so different to like you know english oh. commentators the way they're oh. the, the passion I'll, I'll, yeah i mean i'll look i'll i'll save i'll save my 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 favorite uh, i'll save the rest of my world cup waffle for when we um you know when we talk to milo about the world cup in the week that was look before we get into the world cup uh chat which as you can tell we're, we're i'm extremely excited about and i think we're all kind of uh looking forward to Please take a moment and and remember uh, Morris Norman uh, because we were very saddened to hear this afternoon that double winner Morris Norman passed away at home earlier today. He was 88 and he was the defensive rock of Bill Nicholson's all-conquering team of the early 1960s. Morris made 411 appearances for us between 1955 and 1965. one of only 13 players to reach that 400-game milestone since we joined the Football League in 1908. In three seasons between 1960 and 61, 62-63, Morris started 149 of our 156 matches in all competitions, missing just seven. Just ponder that for a moment. Think about the pitches, think about the weight of the ball, all of that stuff. None of this high-tech fabric, cotton shirts, I mean, jumpers for goalposts nearly, right? <laughs> and a centre-half as well, so he must have taken a bit of a battering along the way. Yes, because let's say it was uh, certainly not the uh, minimal contact sport 
it has become today there were certainly some uh some pretty hefty challenges well well called milo and uh his outstanding and consistent displays for us were also recognized at international level uh, morris was capped 23 times by england and was included in the squads for both the 1958 and 1962 world cups um sadly uh he suffered a badly broken leg that would end his current playing career at the age of just 31 in november 1965 and but for this it's you know it's almost certain that he would have been in the england squad for the six World Cup. We've figured out that he's probably, um, and apologies if we've got this number wrong, but there's maybe only now four members of the original double winning side left with us. Uh, these are very significant passings um, in the history of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, take a moment, go and look up some of Morris's work. It's out there on YouTube and we'd like to send our condolences and love to Morris's family. And now we move to the World Cup. Gents, talk me through it. So we'll start off with England. So we've played two games so far. How have we been? What have you thought? England. You go first, mate. Go on. Me? <laughs> I'm going to give it to Milo now so he can, you know, give him all the colour, colour, colour of the World Cup. Um, England. I'm I'm going to put my cards on the table straight away because I'm not as invested in England as I ever was before. I mean, it's really dropped off a cliff over the last 20 years. So I can watch England games with the same kind of head on as I'd watch any of the other games, really. I'm just kind of interested in the match. Mm. And, you know, I get more probably more emotional when a good old... Um, Underdog wins, you know, the Japans or the Moroccos or something. Anyway, England. Uh, wow. Wow. We, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised to hear that. I don't know where it's gone. Honestly, I was such an England fan once upon a time. And now I just yeah, yeah. not really bothered at all, to be honest. I mean, I've watched both the England games. Um, we kind of gave, nice to see, we kind of gave Iran the runaround. And we played, and, you know, going back to my previous memories of being an England fan, we've had plenty of group games before when we've played either, I don't know, in the past, what was it, Egypt or someone like where we, we're just, we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders. And the Iran game didn't have none of that at all. We played with freedom, all the youngsters doing their thing, plenty of um, creativeness. And even our own man, Harry Kane, can't get amongst the six goals, but um, he certainly played his part. And then everyone starts slightly throwing their toys out the pram after the USA game, which I think basically is um slight underestimation of USA in the first place. They're mm. a bit like some of the other teams in this tournament that are very fit, have got plenty of energy and certainly have their own um technical players within their ranks i think so uh i don't think it was a bad result against usa so yeah well coming off the back of uh, of, of ricky's observations I mean, first of all I, I sort of understand where you're coming from when you talk about um you know maybe dropping off not not that i reflect that at all i'm 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 actually the other way i i, I really I've, I've always fervently supported the national side it hasn't changed it hasn't shifted i still get really excited about uh you know uh the team in these tournaments and i really want them to do well and i i, I live every moment of them and i live every second and you know it gets it's quite exciting for me uh the iran game i thought um you know an early goal helps and i think it gave us the confidence to really take the game on and, and really you know and Probably six goals. Is a, it was a little bit of a, an unfair reflection, I thought. I thought, you know, maybe four would have been enough. I, it set up the metric of, of uh, hy- hyperbole, right? So suddenly everyone's saying we're fantastic. And then when Gareth Southgate, quite rightly, in my opinion, looks at a game like the US and thinks, well, look, this is tournament football. I'm in a group. I don't have to, I don't have to win this game. I just have to not lose it. Everyone throws their toys out of the pram and we've got injuries that we're managing, uh, you know, pl- players that we're managing. I mean, this is tournament football. So I think England have been pretty much exactly what I expected 
I've not been overly disappointed. I would have loved to have seen us beat the US, but it's it's been fine, you know, as ever. What increasingly annoys me is the fan reaction. You know, you've seen plenty of you know, European sides trip up against you know, what some people would consider to be lesser opposition, which I think is a kind of slightly patronising uh, attitude. But, you know, England playing Iran isn't you know too different in terms of matchups to, you know, Germany playing Saudi Arabia, who, you know, they lost to. Right. The thing with the group stage is getting out of the group stage. Mm. Correct. You know, you do have to look at this with a sense of logic as well. Most teams that win the World Cup do not come out of the traps flying. So I was, forgive me if I was almost a little um, thrown by beating Iran 6-2 and worried about the hyperbole that was coming. And, and, and you know, colour me weird, if you will, for almost feeling relieved that we didn't, like, smash the US and have to, you know, and we're going to win it all. It's like, finally, everyone's sort of back in their place. Oh, Christ, we're bloody crap, aren't we? And Southgate doesn't know what he's talking about and everything. I think, it, in a weird way, it might relieve the pressure uh, on us. And It's an odd World Cup, though, isn't it? I mean, don't you think, Ricky? I mean, some of those shots they've shown of the team buses going into the stadiums, those, like, drone shots, it looks like a, a capture from Resident Evil 3 or something because there's <laughs> absolutely nobody on the streets. There doesn't seem to be anybody in the forecourt. It's like four or five, like, little moving dots and this coach moving through the, the empty... It's really weird, and it feels sometimes like a CGI Disney production. Maybe that's because we have to suffer Fox television. Well, I've, I've started watching on Telemundo, but I don't know. It's strange. The whole thing has been built from scratch you know, in the last 12 years. All of the stadiums, all of the hotels, all of the motorways, the metro, everything is brand new. It is so, and it feels weird. So that's why you've got these stadiums you know, with nothing around them. Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? Aren't they, I mean, aren't they all meant to be quite close together, though, these stadiums? Because I thought Martin yeah. Keown reckoned he could look out of a window and see eight stadiums or something today. Wow. Which I didn't, re I didn't yeah, really think that they was are. true. But, um, they are all close. Yeah. But yeah. As, I think to your point, Milo, what you're saying is that the distance between them is not filled with any any real life because yeah. there wasn't life before this entire area was really built up. Well, no, there wasn't, no. But, I mean, also, if you think about it, you know, Qatar is a really small country. And, you know, excluding the kind of migrant workforce, the population of Qatar is the same as Hull. Really? <laughs> you know, I once got the greatest portion of fish and chips I've ever had in my life in Hull. It was the jumbo fish. Oh, oh sorry, it's Cleethorpes, a little well, further out. Qatar for a minute. Sorry, and Doha? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great concern. If you found the best fish and chips you've ever eaten in your life in Qatar, that would be weird and kind of creepy, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's, but it has been strange. It's been a strange tournament. And, and so I think England have really held their own so far. And I'm really unconcerned. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to progress comfortably. And, uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. I think we, I think we got quite, potentially got quite a good second round. Uh, last 16 draw lined up but my hunch is is the obvious hunch which is mm. when we progress and we play someone better I just think I mean it's, it's the cliched thing about everyone saying about our defence and I do think our defence might just get found out when they're playing the Mbappes and players like that uh, sorry let me stop you there let's be blunt is anyone actually going to be able to stop killing Mbappe over 100 minutes He's he's just a force of. I mean, we know this. He's a force. Maybe of Maybe the smarter teams and the ones who have a clever yes. player. Because I think sure. I think I think Stones, Maguire, and even our own Eric are good defenders. But we've seen throughout all their history that there's there can be a mistake in them. And I'll probably I include I'd, I'd include Pickford in that as well. To be honest, oh, I mean, for so sure. I and I just think comment. maybe at the sharp end that will be the thing that undoes us. But um. But we're not without our chances because our front six, whoever is, you know, we've got potential there. So Southgate's 
biggest gift to England has been soft draws. He's been very, very lucky yeah, with uh, draws yeah, all the way through, true. and it, it looks like yeah. it's happening again. So um, whether you know England finish first or second, it looks like they're going to have... Is it Ecuador or someone, maybe? Ecuador uh, or Senegal, or I think is yeah, the other. Like Was it yeah. Senegal and Ecuador? Not, not both of which would cause us problems, but you would expect that if we want to progress, we'll find a way. I mean, one thing I've concluded, mm. and I don't know if you, if, if you agree, uh, I have looked at Jude Bellingham like everybody else, and I think that he is actually going to be the key uh, as to how far we can go because when he decides and when he's deployed in the you know to rove and to act to, mm. you know to destroy and to actually take that first five ten yards forward he's devastating I mean he's got excellent vision excellent pace aggression everything against the US I watched him very closely he played safe and I think that was under instruction so I think if he plays aggressively everyone is going to move uh, appropriately and, and, and accordingly how have other Spurs players done? Has anyone caught your eye? I mean, I think, was it, um, was, um, oh, uh, did one of our players score for Brazil? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, Stage he scored a couple of goals. <laughs> he did score a couple of goals, didn't he? He scored two goals, Richarlison, didn't he? And we should probably talk about the first one because there are a lot of people saying that he was doing absolutely nothing during the game until he scored that first. He was constantly moving, constantly looking for space and was actually being buggered by some of his slightly more uh, illustrious pals taking a touch too much and not making the right decision. So when the goal came, he was there to stab it home from six yards, right? I think that our good friend from Telemundo has said everything. But what I do want to say, and I, I want to say this in Portuguese, and I want to say, Belaza, Bale, Arte, Richarlison, Vosciadio, Dudo, Iso, a Copa, do Mundo, com Saubelo, Gol, Obrigado. That's for you, Richarlison. And, and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It was an electric moment. And even thinking about it, I get tingly. Any other Spurs players caught the eye? Um, Sonny done absolutely nothing probably something close to what Bale did in his Wales games but that might be because he's got a mask on and maybe he's a bit like tentative about wanting to go full pelt Ben's score played kind of on his own in the bottom of the old midfield for Uruguay and done a pretty good job there but that's because I think he could probably do a pretty good job as a four Mm. a six or an eight really or even maybe a ten you never know he's that talented Um, who else has played Kansef out of our mob Oh, well, Perisic had a great assist earlier. Yeah, not too bad. Joe Rodon, Davis. Davis has been okay. He struggled, I think, a bit in that Iran game. I'm not sure about Rodon. I'm starting to go off Rodon. He's too harsh on himself, Rodon. He really has. He gets really angry with himself, doesn't he? Quite often. I think you just need to be like a bit more chilled out sometimes. Yeah. So we've talked about England. We've talked about we've covered Brazil and some of our players. Is it any other teams that have really caught your eye? Any other games that you've really loved? Um, I love all the underdog. Japan beat in Germany. Uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. Who beat Germany? Saudi Arabia beat Germany. Saudi Arabia beat Germany and Japan beat Argentina. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. And Morocco again today. That was um, an excellent game. I love those kind of games. And, and I love to see the kind of emotion in the stands. That is some of the good colour of the tournament. I think in the stands there's been some really... I, I do like the old TV shots, and I've said that before on here. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had a hard time following it four games a day because, of course, we start at... a. Uh... At this ludicrous hour at 2am so I don't I you know so much of these games I'm playing catch up with I think the most interesting game to me was uh, was Canada Belgium because Canada were absolutely brilliant and I still can't figure out how they lost that game it makes no sense to me whatsoever 
Uh, and so subsequently, today's game that Canada had against Croatia was actually ended up being quite amusing because, of course, there was all that furore about the coach saying, getting caught. I don't know if any you remember this. The coach got caught saying after the Belgian game, you know, you were great and we're going to fuck those Croatians. <laughs> and so they, you know, that one of the, the Croatian newspapers have mocked up a naked Canadian manager, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And then one of the Croatian players after today said, yes, well, we fucked you or something. So that kind of World Cup banter I do enjoy. Uh, France look formidable to me. You know, uh, Brazil, I think, are just going to get better and better. Deep, deep um, squad as well, Brazil, haven't they? When you yeah, look at the bench, yeah, yeah, geez. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those... I'm trying to think of underdogs. That have... Croatia have kind of showed Belgium how to do an Asian squad properly, haven't they? Well, yeah. it's interesting. They were very, very convincing today. And, you know, we all forget and we all think, ah, they won't do it again. But, you know, they were finalists last time. And if we're going to sit here and say that England was semi-finalists last time and can make the... and could possibly go one step further, why shouldn't we say that about Croatia? So, you know, it's it's this is where it starts to get really interesting. Um, you know, I'd like to see what happens with the Iran-US game is going to be fascinating. Putting your scouting hat on, have there any players caught your eye and would they be good for Spurs? Musa, I think I'd love to see. I know everyone's looking at McKenney from the USA. I love I, I think Musa would be would be great. I think Musa's got an awful lot going for him. I mean, everyone knows about Sergio Dest, right? At this point, <laughs> I think he's also looked tremendous. That chap today for Musiala for Germany was really good. Yeah, mm. yeah, it wasn't it just. And I think wasn't he was he was like a Southampton kid, I think, and then went to Chelsea and he's ended up, he's at Bayern, I think, isn't he? But he was really yeah. good today. I'll tell yeah. you what I quite liked because I was looking at left centre-back. So I thought Tim Ream was all right for the US, right? I think Tim Ream is a very underrated central defender. Uh, I don't think he would be for us I'm not so sure but he's no, I think underrated because then I looked I looked at him on the internet and obviously he's um I think he's like 35 and the other thing is he plays for Fulham has played over 200 games for him and I wouldn't <laughs> even I wouldn't even know that <laughs> I didn't even know he played for Fulham the other player I thought looked good and this is a bit following on from his Brighton thing but I think the Matoma looks a really good player mm. for Japan and I'm not quite sure well, how bright I'm not sure how Brighton managed to just pluck these people from because I think he comes from the Kawasaki team from in Japan mm. or something for like not very much money at all, and he looks really effective. They put him out on loan, didn't they? So Brighton are very, very good at signing players, putting them out on loan, getting them acclimatised, then bringing them in. Mm. Um, and it's definitely something that we need to be doing better. I agree with you. I think he's a good player. Mm. I mean, the only other the only other player that caught, well, I didn't catch my eye, but I think he does a really good job for them. Uh, but he's not really the style of player we need. But I think. Um, I think Kiefer Moore for Wales is all right. I think he's like, he could be the new Olivier Giroud, I think. He's just in that mould. He he does a lot of good things well, and he's he's been really doing it well for Bournemouth, I think. I know he's not the kind of player that we would think, you know, we think he's a bit of a kind of, you'll probably think he's a Raziak, don't you? Probably. No, not at all. I, <laughs> I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I think you're actually sort of, underrating Giroud there. I always, I've always felt Giroud's probably one of the most underrated. Oh, no, I think he's really good. Yeah, I, think, I, think I think Giroud's, yeah. for a long time, Giroud was the best near post centre forward uh, in terms of the movement that, that, that the Premiership had. So I, mean, that's I, think, what, that that's... I think you may be over-upping Kiefer there, but I see your point. Yeah, I mean, but you could be on that path. That's what I mean, really. He could yeah, sort of yeah, take yeah. that role. A very similar player. So, Ricky, you asked for this question. Did I? Kind of lengthy extra time, and then also kind of VAR, the semi-automated uh, offside. So, how have you thought? How have you found both those so far? It's bizarre getting used to the extra time because literally it can be an extra fifteen minutes. But um... and, and where would Spurs be in the table if we had that oh, okay. interpretation of extra time in the Premier League? Top of the league, <laughs> probably. I mean, is that even a question? Do you, do you know if this is a directive that's now being carried over to national leagues? Is it or don't we know don't yet? Know. 
because that's going to be that probably feed into our kind of some of our questions later i think when it comes to sort of timekeeping at games but um, i love it i think it's i think it's brilliant yeah it's quite it does feel still a bit random though doesn't it in other words sometimes they do give seven eight minutes and you really do think oh, where did they get that you know it seems you know it's quite i feel excessive. they've been told to lighten up a little bit by someone that was the intention the impression i got the first round of games they were doing the full 9 10 11 i thought brilliant <laughs> yeah. another round of this and you won't have too much uh flopping about and trying to buy for time but i think somebody's sort of maybe whispered in their ear you know remember the weather and etc etc i don't know but i i'm a big fan of it i i like it yeah i am i think as a football yeah, yeah. fan you are maybe the dignitaries are mm. kind of wanting to slope off home and they don't really want to hang around that <laughs> long but uh... <laughs> Just, you know. I wouldn't doubt it, actually. No. Yeah, you <laughs> just empty in the stadium. But um, yeah, what do you no. think, Milo? I mean, what what do you think of, of of adding all those minutes? I don't know. I haven't seen any of it, so I've got no oh, idea. Okay. No, but as a, okay, but as a concept, do you like yeah. the concept? Yeah, of course you should. Of course, the extra time or added time should reflect okay. um, the match. It's really frustrating that you know you have games where you know a team's been wasting time since the you know. 30th minute and you know and then you get kind of three minutes of added time or something like that it's ridiculous and and all it does is just encourage that behavior so yeah i'm, I'm all for it yeah and th- th- have did you already answer the var semi no, not answer the var thing i mean i think go. it's yeah i mean I, i'm 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 quite happy with that really i think if they kind of if uh, if the ai is kind of streets ahead of um any kind of human intervention or human you know calibration that we can achieve when it comes to like when the ball's kicked and when they're offside uh and what players are what position all the players are in then that's a good thing i think and i think they've been saying it that takes two seconds in it to buzz into someone's ear and and if there's no kind of subjective part of it which a lot of offsides aren't they're not subjective there are just literally line calls then um uh that's a good thing and they've been i think they've been showing the images a bit more now as well i think at first they were a bit slow at doing that but i think they're um showing the images and i'm you know i'm fine with it now i think you know if they've got that bit nailed down what do you think steph if it helps great i'm not convinced that they've mastered it yet but any step forward is a step forward right so maybe we'll leave it there we've seen a load of protests or you know several protests um and or or non-protests so kind of the england uh and wales armband debacle uh welsh welsh bucket hats rainbow bucket hats being confiscated as people are entering the stadium uh fifa telling belgium to remove the word love from their shirt <laughs> unless they add the word money afterwards <laughs> <laughs> the iran national team's incredibly brave uh stance of not singing the national anthem and uh germany putting their hands over their mouth during their first game what have you made of all this and kind of the handling of it ricky me mm. um well i think fifa are i think regardless of the noises they made at the start of the tournament they've they, i don't think they've been backed into the corner i think they've been more squeezed one by the guitar side of it i've i they're paymasters, I presume, aren't they? And yeah. obviously the stars of the tournament. They're the footballers. They're the ones that yeah. want to make the protests. And they're the ones that are really the stars of the show. So they've they've been squeezed into a position that they're not usually... They're not, they're not used to being in this position. Normally, they turn... Any kind of competition, they turn up and they almost act like a country themselves. They walk in and they think, we're taking control of everything. Yeah. We're not going to be dictated to. And this is probably the terms that we agreed with you when you signed up. You know, we control the advertising, we control everything so i think they're probably not very skilled at facing into these kind of problems they've had <laughs> and great point. yeah and i just and obviously they're incompetent when they do have to deal with these kind of things and i think that's been kind of like uh one of the kind of 
the, the major things that's come out of this really that they've really not shown themselves. I mean, they've not shown themselves in glory at all with this. And I don't think, I mean, obviously from the players' point of view, they've got themselves involved in backing these tasks. And I think it's not, and it's looked a little bit like they've been a bit spineless, not wanting to follow through with any of it. As soon as, as soon as, the, and this is never a good look, I don't think, as soon as you've got something to lose, they've then backed out and usually and what we know with protest is normally the strongest protest is in desperation isn't it and when people have nothing to lose they can full-on protest mm. but I just don't think I think the players and it seemed like they were being scared off by a yellow card I mean since then FA have said oh no it wasn't just the yellow card there were san- other sanctions that would come along with that and of course I don't think those sanctions what those sanctions would be would be would clarify them by FIFA because basically FIFA wouldn't clarify anything. That's part of their incompetence, I think. That sounds to me like they were they were trying to justify it retrospectively because that certainly wasn't what they were saying at the time. Exactly. Yeah. I think for me, look, let's just be very clear. I don't think there's a single person on this pod, and I don't think there's very many of our listeners who would disagree that you know we've talked about this for months actually, and I think we have been talking about it for many months um, that Qatar's human rights record is appalling. You know, and there are other appalling human rights records out there, but we are talking about the Qatar World Cup, and it's awful. When you ask about the the protests, I think what's interesting is how many of the protests that were planned were heartfelt, um, you know, and how much were about public image. And I think that that's become quite obvious in a sense. Uh, I think the Germans obviously felt very, very committed to to their stand, and and so they followed through. I'm not so sure whether the FA ever were. And I do think it's the footballing federations that are dictating these protests, incidentally. I think Germany's an interesting one because obviously fan culture is very different in Germany. Yes. And that there's been protests against this World Cup on the terraces in Correct. Germany. So um, viewing figures are very low. And yeah, and viewing figures are very low. So, I mean, you know, you've seen, you know, obviously, you know, we don't have a British or an English equivalent of St. Pauli. And, you know, they've been protesting against this you know Dortmund fans have been protesting against this you know we've seen it across the Bundesliga and there's been nothing nothing equivalent in England at all um and I think that obviously that um there's a difference there and I think maybe the German players felt that they needed to uh to reflect the fans back home I mean I I think it's a bit of a shame that the England fans sorry the England players didn't do something or at least you know, talk about it. I thought Southgate's um, press conference after the Iran game was, um, you know, the kind of typical um, kind of. I mean, Southgate is worse comes across as a frustrated middle manager, doesn't he? In a in a you know in a medium sized you know provincial company, and 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 that was that was how he came across. And I think he's a bit Reggie Perrin for sure. Yeah, and That's I think probably why but, I like him actually. <laughs> During the Euros last year, I thought there was a real um, you know, eloquence uh, and bravery around the England team about how, you know, particularly when they were taking the knee and there was considerable um, political pressure within, you know, within uh, Britain about that coming from certain quarters. And I think it's a bit of a shame that they haven't kind of followed it through on this issue. Right. But 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that you say to me when we have these conversations off pod. Let's not go too far into the history of other tournaments. Otherwise, we'll be here till Christmas because there are other tournaments where stands should have been made and weren't. That's clear. I mean, we're talking about this one. And I think in that sense, you know, the protests for this one are a lot more complicated. And it, it is a much more delicate issue, which quite frankly... You, you know, FIFA FIFA fucked it up from the beginning, as you said, Ricky. To go in 
and arrogantly assume that you can control the narrative of a country that operates in a certain way is pure and utter arrogance. And frankly, I think they've let all the federations down by not clearing the the pathways as to what is acceptable protest and what isn't. And then you come down to individuals. And I just look at the England side, unfortunately, much like I don't look to Vince Neil to be a philosopher. Uh, he's the Motley Crue singer. I don't look to him for an opinion. I, I, I've never really looked to our players to, to, to be, you know, spokespeople. I hope, I would wish they would be, but I'm not going to hang, I'm not going to hang them uh, on, on a hook and, and beat them for, for backing down on an armband. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I think it's disappointing that they haven't, haven't said anything. You know, I'm, not, I'm not drawing parallels between one tournament and the next. I'm saying that they've been eloquent on some issues in the past and they've shown leadership. And I think my primary criticism here has been around Southgate and what he's said or hasn't said. Um, I just think it's a bit of a disappointment. I mean, one thing I was going to say, actually, so on Iran, and uh, you know, I think what they did was incredibly brave. And I was thinking back to um, El Nels Rakabi, the Iranian climber, female climber, who uh, competed without a hijab in South in, in South Korea right. CL, uh, earlier on this year. And it was actually only last month, wasn't it? And I was kind of reading up on, obviously I remembered it at the time, and, and when I saw the protest, I was thinking about what would happen, you know, what could happen to the Iranian team as a result of this. And from my understanding, as I reading up on her afterwards, you know, she was um, she was arrested when she arrived back in Iran, and Correct. I can't find I can't find any news stories of what's happened to her in the months since she got back there. And you know, you 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 worry for them, you worry for them as a result of what they've done and kind of the bravery they've shown. You're talking about the Iranian national team. Yeah. I've got to say that I think that that protest in particular cannot be put in the same category in in a sense. And I would have to say in another sense, it reflects why perhaps you're seeing, uh, you know, all the football federations back down in, in the face of like, you know, a corporate slapping, if you will, or a FIFA sponsored slapping is because the honest truth is unless you or your family suffer directly under the oppression of a situation, you are, let's say, yeah, 60% less likely to get loudly on board in supporting fights against that oppression. And I don't think most people in the world understand what it is like to be an Iranian citizen, to have Iranian family, to be in their situation. So it's, it's you know, these are not protests that I think... Uh, this, these are desperate acts of people who really genuinely suffer. Uh, and, and, and yes, I mean, you know, they don't even think of it as bravery. It's what else can they do? They have yeah. the moment. And, and I think yeah. that's maybe the difference. I, you know, I, and you, there was a very interesting point. And I can't remember if we had this conversation or not off air. You know, I think you were saying this to me, actually, uh, Milo, and I, it was a great point. You know, what is, and, and this is a holistic view. I'm not making a judgment one way or another, but it is a sad thought. What does the attitude of the FA towards homophobia in general, and especially, you know, whether it be in Qatar or whatever, what does it do for the players, many players, I'm sure, who are gay, who have not come out? How encouraged are they going to be to come out? And again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of parroting something that you were saying, and I thought it was an excellent point. That's a, that's a bigger concern to me is maybe that knock on where it pushes things further back. I hope that doesn't happen. If I was a, a gay Premier League footballer considering coming out, I would think right now that the FA's commitment to this is wafer thin, and it would make me think twice about whether I was going to do that or not. Yeah, and and let's hope that's not the case 
Let's hope that's not the case. I do think you. there's one more question here, which I'll briefly touch on. You did talk about Welsh bucket hats uh, and so on. And I do think that, you know, there does need to be a little bit of a relaxing uh, relaxation on those attitudes, in my opinion, at the stadiums. But again, in terms of bringing conversation to the table, every time something like this happens, we're talking about it. So that can only be good in terms of discussing how shitty that sort of, uh, you know, weird censorship is. Right. Oh no, I I agree with that. So I was I was thinking. I mean, I don't want to be an apologist for Qatar at all. But if you think of their relationship with FIFA, what could have happened from their point of view was is that they've talked through the tournament and talked about what it's going to yeah. be, and and they may think Qatar, we've compromised here. We've kind of we've relaxed our alcohol laws. We've relaxed and we 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 projected that we're welcoming yes. to everyone to come to our tournament. We you know we're not going to let we're not going to ban anyone from coming. Everyone's welcome, and they've. They 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 obviously dressed that up in when Morgan Freeman's doing the opening ceremony and when Infantino's doing his speech and that. In other words, they've signed off on like that whole messaging. And what they might be thinking now from their point of view is, but we've kind of got all these other people still coming to the stadium making protests. And it's kind of like, well, we've compromised and now people are still coming and protesting. And that's actually now making us a bit annoyed. You I know think what I mean? that's a very, very, very salient part of the discussion, which you're going to have a hard time finding anyone um, to have with here because it requires, I think it requires a shift in sort of a, uh, how you how you view you know how you view things but i i agree i agree i think that's a very important point and they will look and think even if you take it a step back from that as a as a customer they'll think well hang on mm. we paid for this world cup we did we did our bit they told us they were good with everything and here we are i mean the only rollback i think was the whole budweiser thing you know so on which quite frankly i mean you know i, I would be thanking uh, because i mean budweiser's not beer it's ridiculous and you know that's but i mean it is the principle i suppose of changing things at the last moment but it all goes back to fifa the pressure must be kept on fifa to stop taking dirty money i mean in my opinion so certainly in, in the way that they've been policing what people wear in the stadiums, that's rolling back on both the guidance issued. To, I, I don't know whether this is overzealous stewards in a stadium, which, you know, I think we we would have seen ourselves, you know, without the kind of pressure and, um, you know, culture clashes that are going on right now. I mean, the other thing that is, is quite sad about it all, especially like let's take it from the England and the armband point of view with the one love kind of thing, it's just like... What kind of message is that to like kick back against? It's just kind of like, yeah. you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? It's just, it's just almost like, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I find puzzling about that because it's not even as if they're wearing a, a rainbow armband. It's the most kind of right. benign statement possible exactly. that you. The same could, with the Belgian shirt and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and then FIFA seemed to instigate their own armband campaign with kind of hallmark cards yeah. statements in them yeah. the in worst. order to try and stifle something yeah. that is actually pretty yeah innocuous yeah. It's, it's kind of the least they could have done yeah and i find that say fifa's actions around that puzzling because i think if if fifa hadn't done that and they'd worn those armbands I don't think they would have got it would have got anywhere near the publicity that it's got well, exactly the, Just because the they point. tried to stifle it and mm. that is surely a great place to sort of bring this little bit to a conclusion because I think it, ultimately the big win here is that really important issues continue to be discussed and debated furiously uh, amongst fans and, and commentators alike and and that can that can that's a positive uh, from what has been a very confusing and 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 frankly quite negative situation so at least that is happening and let's hope it leads to change uh, and, and let's hope it leads fifa to not take dirty money again i mean it's as simple as that it's yours, yours to kick off steph oh that's it 
Oh, sorry, sorry about that. I was getting a little lazy there. I was sort of enjoying Milo leading the charge. I, I can do it if guest. you want. I don't mind. I don't mind taking this. No, doing this one as well. Ah, well, you know what? Why not? Why not? What Go do you on, think, then. Ricky? Right. I think we should leave Milo to just just run, just run the table. Go on. Do the right. crimes. So, so now we're going to move on to crimes against football. And I'll uh, say it with some verve. Come on, crimes against football. Come yeah. on. Your best Ray Winston. Go on. <laughs> this, 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 this is the difference, right. Steph. I mean, this is, you know, if you're going to leave me in the chair, you're going to get a kind of more understated, understated approach to this but i like that this isn't the big stuff that we've just been discussing this is the the silly stuff the things that niggle you we're talking half and half scarves we're leaving the game early changing clubs the stuff that gets your goat but probably shouldn't or maybe shouldn't so let's kick this off with half and half scarves is it a no-no absolutely a crime should not be allowed <laughs> the case for the defence, Ricky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what I would say is that you might you you might a precursor to the half half scarf, scarf Steph. If you remember back to the eighties and nineties, do you remember them beanie bobble hats that maybe yeah. were like half what, half and half two thirds a third of us and a Scottish team. Toss pot territory, yeah, no, that, that was even five, worse. You me a no. <laughs> no, well, we've all been tossers in our time, and you've had yours, obviously, if you had one of those hats, yes. Yes, you're a tosser, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I'll tell you what, and I have to admit here, this is a confession as well, is I think I do have a half-and-half half scarf. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, 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 just... no, no. Oh, Hold up. Who's on the other half? That's what we need to know. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be able to use it again in February. This is AC Milan. So, okay. but there are there are circumstances. We were talking. This well, can was... I ask you why did you get it to remind yourself you were there? No, 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 no. Mrs. Ricky, do you remember this? Okay. She came to the San Siro. Yes. The climatic conditions were biblical. The rain was terrible. So anything to kind of keep the rain out, wrap around her head, her neck, all that kind of thing. Yeah, keep got keep the got to keep her cozy, he, and that's the only he's reason. Found the one ten, out. Ten euros, ten good euros. I spent on that. And I'll be able to use it again next February. <laughs> no, that's a noble out. Noble. Okay, fine. You found the one time it might be permissible. When you're towing your long-term partner around Italy to yes. watch Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> you have yes. to do everything to keep it <laughs> on a level. Yep. Sorry. I was going to say, yep. I was going to ask if it's ever justified. If you got to a, a cup final and you were against a team that you didn't really hate and you weren't even you weren't ever going to wear it, it was just saying you might stick on the wall in the garage or is it justified? Bullshit. No, you never get game. to a cup final against a team you don't really hate. What's that about? When you're in a cup final, you absolutely loathe the other side and want to, no. want to hammer them. No, no, absolutely not. Unacceptable. And I, I was going to say to you, I did on my old phone, I don't think it's on this one because I was looking through it, I had, um, I was watching a Man United Leeds game once and I think Man United scored and there was a, there was a close-up of the fans going absolutely ballistic. And then I noticed that one of the United fans had a Man United and Leeds half and half scarf. Mm, and I, I saw thought, that, yeah. Do you remember that? I've seen and that. And honestly, yeah. I just thought that is the end. That really is the end. If two teams don't hate each other more they, than them two, then you know, honestly, they, they do Spurs Arsenal ones. Oh, oh. Can, can I say every time I see I've seen one in the last year and a half, I've thought of either taking a picture and sending it to you, Milo, and I have yeah. actually considered buying you one and putting it in the post, but I just can't <laughs> even. I can't even spend cash on it, even for a wind up. I can't do it. I think. I think Bruce Forsyth was a Spurs and Arsenal fan. No. I mean... For non-UK, he, he was a light entertainer and kind of dancer and singer and presenter yeah. here who 
Nice to see you. Nice to yeah. see you. But yeah. I, I think nice. I think it goes back to the Second World War when right. we were ground sharing and he went to see both sides and as a result was a fan of both sides. So yeah, maybe for him he could have a in fact, a lot of old timers do talk about that, don't they? That they used to take alternate weeks, like uh, at Tottenham and at Highbury. And so maybe we time. put a date. Maybe we put an era moratorium on this. I would say anyone from 1975 on who believes that a half and half scarf is appropriate can do one. Yeah. Is that a fair comment? <laughs> I think it's an indication of the rise of the tourists as well, isn't it? At the end of the day, so you know, you get the people at the ground. For their one, two games a year. I mean, they're available for most games, aren't they? They're there. People must buy them, otherwise they wouldn't make them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's many things that you can buy that are just no good whatsoever and you shouldn't ever purchase. And that, for me, is one of them. Am I on my own here in just being so strident against them? Oh, no, I hate them, Steph. I'm with you. Yeah. (laughs) If you've got a market stall outside a football ground, you you know, you haven't got a lot of space there. You're only stocking stuff that sells, aren't you? If you've got a load of half and half scarves and they you don't, they don't shift the week before, you're not going to buy a load for the next game, are you? Mm. They, they must sell, otherwise they wouldn't have them on sale. It's True. but it, it puzzles me. They're all committing a crime. All so right. that that's my that's what I think. Uh so, so. so Steph says guilty. This is you're gonna judge guilty. Judy. <laughs> I, I, I definitely guilt, I, definitely guilty although I own one, so that's pretty you know <laughs> But your excuse was excellent, and I I have to say I I, I commend you in that particular moment for putting wife before before your personal beliefs. I was going to say, Ricky pleading the you know previous uh, previous offences to try and minimise. So, Steph, yes, mate. This is another one that I know you hate leaving leaving the game early, and I'm including I'm I'm including leaving five minutes before the end of the first half to get to the front of the queue. Absolutely not. Control your control your liquid consumption uh, and food if that's the problem for you that day as well to a point where you evacuate at an appropriate time before the game starts and can contain yourself for at least a hundred minutes. No excuse at all, none. And anyone no. going for a beer at half time, I don't oh. get it. You're not going to get one unless yeah. you leave five ten minutes before, yeah. and then you're going to. What is the point? You're there to watch the game. As for leaving before the end, I don't care if you're getting thumped 6-0. If you stand there like a numpty and complain about the team playing like shit and you leave early, how can you look at yourself in the mirror with any dignity? What if you've got iffy public transport and particularly a midweek game, it's an evening game, you're not, you might not be able to get home. Is that allowed? I've rented a car in those moments before, actually, knowing that I'm not going to be able to get the last train back. I've yeah. actually rented a car and driven myself there I... and back. But if you've left kind of five minutes early at half time, you've you've had too many beers. You can't drive. You're not safe to drive. You've got to get the train. No, well then, but but that's just that's just control yourself. I, I, <laughs> There's no excuses. No, absolutely not. Unacceptable. I I, I tweak my train journey so I know that I can get home regardless of what goes on at the game because obviously some games are cup games. You can end up with extra time and penalties. And to think I've got to leave after 90 minutes because I've got to get a train and I miss the extra time and penalties, I might as well not bloody go. You know what I mean? So I will take a different train route so I know there's later trains that get me home. But, I mean, there's been characters at games that I'm sure they are rolling five minutes late. They'll go for half-time, ten minutes for half-time. They won't come back till ten minutes after half-time and they'll leave ten minutes early. Literally, I don't think they're they're watching more than 60 minutes of the game sometimes. They're there for something else, aren't they? They're there for something else. Yeah, and I understand that people go sometimes for the camaraderie of the game and that kind of thing. But um, 
but it's I, but I'm, I'm much more as well now i'm much more with the with the thinking that match day is match day and everything i don't have to all this the classic one is the beat the traffic bollocks you know what oh, i mean i'm mean, fuck all that i'm just <laughs> i'm going to football and i'm just wanting worst. to like i'm not on a clock when i'm at football i just want to just think you know i'm on a sort of vague clock later on in the evening but you know no, this is I'm great not, but this this is why you were able to join me in our wonderful evening with with uh, with with Kulisevsky a couple oh, right, of weeks ago. Yeah, because you are right. a believer in match day dictating the pace of the day. Yeah, I, I'm with like, you. Yes. So, so we feel the same about arriving late, then, do we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People who arrive, what's the excuse for that? I mean, we're going back a while, fifteen years or so. There must have been, I think, one of the old seasons. I don't think I saw a kickoff all season, but. I had a good group of mates and, it, you know, the the last pint before pre-game turned up about five minutes before kickoff and then with a bit of a stroll from the Irish Centre we were drinking in at that time. Yeah. So, Oh, I know the Irish Centre. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that now. Two stories where I can actually, and believe me, my hypocrisy is going to come out a little later. So two stories where I can actually, and they'll be quick. Everton, first game of the season away, coach broke down going up to the ground uh we we screamed at the driver to go and to go in the hard shoulder for the last 50 50 miles which he dutifully did the air conditioning is broken 90 degree day we got him to drop us outside the ground with literally seven minutes until kickoff and we sprinted my son and i sprinted to get into the ground and see the kickoff so as you could see the new season kickoff the other one was emirates losing 4-2 Friends of mine who shall remain nameless, but I love dearly, said, ah, you know, I can't stick around for this humiliation. And I turned around to them, admittedly six beers in, and just said, you know, we never leave before the end. We're not like these fucking wankers. It doesn't matter. We will never leave before the end. And, of course, we know how that night ended. So, I mean, I do. I almost kind of feel that I've got a bit of a duty to stay to the end. And maybe that's what you're what you're saying, Steph, in that you think the, the, the players are there and you live through every moment with them. And I think I just I just don't feel like I want that. I mean, not that it's not because I haven't got anything best to do, but I just feel, as I say, that I'm at football and I see <laughs> I absolutely con- every kick of the fucking that. ball. And I even try and like <laughs> clap the players off the pitch and just maybe ponder, you know, what I've just witnessed, whether that's, Mate, you know, and usually you're pondering more. Usually you're pondering on the bad stuff, on the bad games that happen. But, um, you know, so many people just kind of like fuck it off out, don't they? They just go, fuck this bollocks. And they're just like up the steps and they're going yeah. and all that kind of thing. And I just think it's just, kind of too reactive to be honest but um but Top uh, man. i'm with you all the way so yes we've got a question so is it ever justified but i think I'm, I'm, i don't ask this with <laughs> your your reaction so maybe we'll just move on to an easy one like no, no, clubs. go on go on ask the question come on what I would say as well is, is with our previous chat about like the timings of the game now, I think these people that leave five minutes before, 10 minutes before the end might actually miss 15, <laughs> might miss 20, 25 minutes of the game now. So they're yeah, going to have to exactly. recalibrate, I think. <laughs> they're going to have to like reassess okay, their... Well, um... let, let, let me back down a little bit and say, obviously, if you get a call that there's a medical emergency in your family or immediate circle that requires your attention, obviously, that's a different circumstance, right? Other than that, I'd, 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 contact us on Twitter if you was at the King Power last year, or you was at Ajax and you left early. We want to know. <laughs> reveal yourself. <laughs> right. So an easier one now. Changing clubs ever justified? No, Listen. but I will say my father used to take me to watch another club when I was very small, and I wanted to watch Tottenham, and he wouldn't let me. And when my mum finally realised it was, it was like 
really becoming a problem for me that I really was not up. You know, I needed to watch those. I was quite young. Uh, she said, you know, you have to take him. It's, it's unacceptable otherwise. So uh, I, I was never into the club he took me to, but I insisted on being a Tottenham. You know, I knew the club I wanted to support. Let me give you a hypothetical, Steph. Yeah. Tottenham Hotspur is bought mm. and they install Jose Mourinho back as manager. Mm. And there is a, and Sol Campbell is assistant manager. Mm. And, oh, I don't know. Um, Tony Adams is director of football. <laughs> and. <laughs> Um, Martin Keown, head of communications. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's, there's a Phoenix, a Spurs Phoenix club started up. Would it be acceptable to go and watch the support the Phoenix club or go and support your local non-league team? Yes, I would. I would. I would. I would fully understand that. Yes, absolutely. I would get that. I mean, I I, I hope that I would have the. Um, moral fortitude to do it and not convince myself well if i stick around i can force these wankers out um but yeah i think that that i think that's a perfectly uh a perfectly good uh example of when it would be okay because you're not essentially changing football clubs are you you're you're buying out of watching your football clubs ethos and culture being corrupted by the darkness of evil and outside forces i didn't even have I didn't even have to go for the extreme measure and say Elon Musk bought the club. So I mean, I'm <laughs> pleased that we managed to. Would it would be would it be a temporary hiatus though, Steph, if the regime changed again and it was something more acceptable? Interesting question. Um, I think I'd probably then, uh, you know, I'd probably then have uh, another club, right? You probably have your you, you'd have your Spurs annex, your Spurs Phoenix club, and Spurs. Uh, it's a, it's a good question. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. Is it okay to support two clubs? I used, I used to know someone who supported Man, uh, Man United and Brighton when Brighton were a championship side. And I would say um, my challenge to him was always be, you know, it's... what happens if they meet each other? Who do you want? To, who do you want to win? You know, it's just. Yeah, I, I, I can't be having that. That's unacceptable. I think it's, it's, it's a real it's a real hard question to compute, really, because when you when you're into a club from a very young age, you just can't seem to fathom that as a kind of concept really that's the hardest no. thing you can have a soft spot for another club but it's i think you, you, your tottenham kind of loyalty runs so deep that yeah. you just you know yeah i think you probably mitigation in in that circum you know the example i've just given is that brighton were mm. a local club and yeah. were quite a few divisions down at some point so he probably never thought they would meet each other and it was a club that was mm. it was easy to go and see was this? But who was the support? Who was the other team you supported? Man United. United, Man United. Oh, was this before the uh, Man United um, Brighton FA Cup final? Then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could only think of one time where I've actively supported another team and it was a different situation it was a world cup and it was in 1994 and england weren't here and brazil were based out of northern california and so i actually got tickets for pretty much for every brazil game bar the semi-final and i ended up going to the world cup final with sepultura um and 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 obviously watched them win it with sepultura and so you know but i, I i've Brazil, I suppose, have always been a bit of a second team. I don't know if that counts, but I think since 19... I saw them in 1981. They played two days before the cup final replay. 1982 was... I think you're fine, Steph, as long as they never draw Spurs in a competition. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not the judge of whether I'm a hypocrite or not there, but I will safely say that I I consider Brazil to be um, maybe a second team. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm in love with what they're about. I mean, how could you not be in love with the, the history, the four-one in 1970, uh, that fantastic game against Italy in 1982, and maybe that's why you know I made such a kerfuffle about the Richarlison goal along with the rest of the world. But uh, you know that they're, they're just they're magical. 
You know, you want them to win. I'm liking their kit this tournament as well. It's a nice kit, that. The, 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 that yellow, that when yellow, you see it, blue, it just means something. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. Does shorts. that does that make me... So is, is that acceptable? Well, no, because we're talking about clubs, so I don't think it oh, okay, comes great. into it. But I, I mean, I do think that the Brazil are the plastics' favourite, aren't they? I think there is a element of that. <laughs> he's, constructed that he's constructed that for maximum, maximum. He's really fishing now. I could see. I saw that. I saw that. That was a little too big a rod to be throwing towards the river. <laughs> no, it's there, true. Though. It is. It is. It's, I mean, it's, it, it's the tourists' international team, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Well, I think it is now because they've gone on that big tour kind of bollocks they always do. I, was, I don't know if that was tied into their Nike sponsorship. Maybe it was. But um, I think when we were younger, they were always that kind of really glamorous, the you know, the ultimate skillful team on the planet, weren't they? When mm. you used to watch international so, football. In terms of kind of supporting more than one club, do, is this different for kind of international fans? I mean, you see this quite, I mean, certainly kind of North American fans, I see, you know, quite a lot of fans there who will support, you know, an American side, uh, you know, a, a, an English side and yeah, quite often other European leagues as well, they will have a side. And is it different? Yes, I would accept that. Uh, what I wouldn't accept is an international fan telling me they had, you know, a favourite EPL team and a second favourite. That's like, no, you don't. You've got one. Pick one and be done with it. Uh, but I think what you're talking about, yes, it's acceptable. And I think it would be inflexible and grumpy to suggest otherwise, because that is the culture. To yeah. be fair, actually, there's plenty of English fans who've got a you know Spanish side or a German side or an Italian That's side true. as well as... Well, I don't have I don't have the time or focus to have a, 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 a you know an Italian or French or Spanish side. So you know, but and I think for us, there's more of a yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I see your point. I think maybe when 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 I was younger, I probably did have it because when like as we were talking about with uh, Gazetta started with the mm. Serie A, you'd always oh, kind of a... then maybe have a soft spot for a club there. Maybe I think mine might have been Inter. I think, but I've long forgotten all that kind of business. And I think in France, uh, great in point. Spain, I liked, um, and I've actually got a real classic shirt there. I quite like Deportivo. When um, you make they were you doing make well. a great you make a great point, and you've woken something up in me that makes me realise that I can't actually slag that off because uh, I may well be in the hypocrisy field again. Because of course, when Channel Four did that, you know, I, I, I Gaza and Lazio was 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 something. I think every Spurs fan followed Lazio until you looked into what Lazio's history was and thought, mm, don't like that much. Um, having said that, Napoli. Uh, I, I became somewhat obsessed with because of Maradona yeah. and, and especially in recent years I've become obsessed with it to the point where I actually I must go to I really want to go to a Napoli game cool shirts yeah, well. cool yeah. 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 yeah so that's a great that's a great question I, I, I don't think that is a crime no so most recent one I had when, when we had um, lockdown here and the Premier League was off South Korean the K League was still going on and it was they were broadcasting it was on YouTube it was it was bad hours of the day, but I was, and I, but I was trying to invest myself in it because I wanted. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was like, so like, like, who am I gonna? Who do I want to win? Who do I? You're trying to trying to yeah. instill something yeah. in it, and then the Bundesliga got starting again, and I, I've watched quite a lot of German football before, but again, it was trying to like get myself yeah. more invested. So I was like, because I was missing that that buzz. But it's fascinating you bring up German football and you brought them up earlier in the pod already, uh, but you brought up Sao Paulo and I have, uh, I have three Sao Paulo t-shirts mm. uh, because I love a good skull and crossbones and I also yeah. like what they stand for and uh, I, like, I, like, I, like every, I like the vibe of the club. So mm. uh, would they be a second club? I don't know. I don't follow their season, but if I had the chance to go to a game, I'd certainly go and have good fun. If it was on the same day as Spurs were playing, not so much. And I, I think probably there's a difference between 
supporting and following, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, there's clubs that you might have a soft spot for that you keep an eye out for, but Mm. you wouldn't claim to be a supporter of. Yeah. Okay, so wrap it up. So I think what we're saying here is that we... I think what we're saying here is that it's okay to kind of follow other... I don't want to say it's okay, because I don't want to police what people can and can't do and how they get pleasure. It's none of our fucking business, really. (laughs) Um, I think all of us are saying that we've kept an eye out for another club or had a soft spot for other clubs before, but it's not quite the same as our first love. But you can't have two... Uh, two premiership teams I think also I think probably we had more time to dedicate to football and watching endless hours of it when we were probably a bit younger so you know you well, can't and, and, the, and there weren't 10 games on a week yeah, that's true, on yeah. the Premier League and so actually you, you'd watch any football that was on TV Mm. Now you say it, I have a I have a Boca Juniors shirt now again because of Maradona. Yeah, it's interesting. What can you think about? I suppose. Well, okay. That I guess that you evade the crime as long as you don't try and double up in the same mm. league. How's that? What about say this is a more recent one? I think this is definitely a modern phenomenon. Um, supporting a player or a manager rather than a club, I and mean, we saw this with when Mourinho was our manager. There was certainly online there was a, a very there was quite a lot and very noisy kind of Mourinho fans who started following the club who disappeared sadly the second he left um but i mean you, you get this with let's say messi or or ronaldo there are fans of those players who follow them from club to club i suppose son's the closest we've got to that isn't he he would be, uh, he would be yeah. I, I, I think for me it, again this comes down to degrees of expression if you're honest in your expression and you're honest about your motivation for watching a club uh that's that's fine uh, i can accept that you might follow let's say a ronaldo uh, for, for why uh, I, I don't know beyond the fact he's a good footballer but regardless of that I, I get that what i wouldn't what i do think is a crime is when that person then starts telling you all about your club and what they need to be doing and what they're doing wrong and criticizes everything about it except the one thing that they support about your club which in this case would be a ronaldo and then when he pisses off somewhere else they piss off with him having uh, you know told you everything that's wrong with, with you know quote unquote at that time our club they can fuck off and that's kind of what we got with those with Mourinho fans yes um in that they thought that the club were doing him a disservice and yeah. he was wasting his genius on us yeah so um, but i mean if you say to me yeah I, I don't know much about about spurs you know i just have followed jose everywhere he's gone and so i'm kind of i'm interested to see what happens i think he's a great manager i'm okay with that that's fine but don't tell me what we're doing wrong by not helping him be the great man that you believe he is i was just gonna say i think it's a obviously it's a modern day thing i think you know through the through social media and that those individuals have a way of kind of um more channels to promote themselves and build up a following as such and i mean that seems to be the way of the world that people have icons that they want to follow but it's i think it's sort of the biggest thing is it's just it's just a bit weird following an individual in what in essence is a team sport you know what i mean so great crossover yeah with america with, yeah. i mean with sunny it's it's interesting isn't it because they say south korean tv have a, an icon yeah. in the top of the screen to show whether he's on the pitch or not when they're broadcasting our games i remember having a kind of disagreement with i think we we turn them legacy fans now don't we since the super league breakaway some spurs legacy fans around south korean fans who'd got into the club because of because of sunny where they were kind of disparaging um tourists at at games you know people who come come over to visit it and that you know they weren't they weren't singing and doing the same stuff that they thought that people ought to do in the in the ground 
which I think, you know, I think it's problematic, you know, kind of culturally, and you know, people are coming from different places, and uh, you know, we all watch the game in a, in a, in a in a different way, and there's not, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to support a club. But uh, it also got me thinking about you know, there'd be plenty of Spurs fans, so say Ricky our age, who kind of got into the club because of Hoddle or you mm. know Waddle or you know Gazza, if you know, or whoever. And is it really any different being a, an English fan who supports the club because of Hoddle or Gaza than it is being a South Korean who support, or you know wherever else you supports the club because of Sunny? Um, you know, one's not more valid than the other. No, I think in that circumstance it isn't. You're right. It just depends whether. But I didn't then sort of uh, pee off to Monaco when he when Hoddle went there or anything. In other words, you're still sticking with your club. Are you, are you suggesting though that the Sunny fans will they depart when Sunny departs? It's hard to it's hard to know, isn't it? It's obviously hard to know. We won't. Some might. Some might not i think yeah. Yeah, there'll be a difference won't there well yeah. one interesting thing to throw into this mix is that you know we did have uh we did have yp lee uh so i'm sure that there have been some south korean fans who first got on board with the club when he came and 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 will have stuck around and and maybe passed it on to their kids maybe when yp lee was playing mm. for us you know they had a spurs shirt dad got them a spurs shirt or whatever and so maybe they've got a spurs shirt and suddenly sunny appears it's like wow this is fantastic um but to your to your general point my my, my I, I couldn't agree more I mean, you know, I think we should welcome uh, people from 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 all around the world who, who want to watch Tottenham Hotspur, whether it's for for Sunny or not. And you hope that the majority of those people will will get bitten by the by what we consider to be the magic and the the vibe, and they'll learn about the club and they'll get into it. And I think it's great. I love it. I love seeing the clutches of people from other countries. And if you look at, you know, we've got, there's a lot of kind of Scandinavian Spurs fans yeah. because of, you know, players who've played here. Or, you know, if you look Eric at... Eric the Viking, you know. You know yeah, yeah, or Argentina as well. We've got a reasonable following in Argentina. We've got, you know, yeah. you know over over decades, we've got, you know, good links with, you know, with both, you know, Argentinian players and managers. And I think, we've got a fair following there. Um, so I think what you're saying about the South Korean issue, in particular with this question, is really, really important because it is actually just ignorance. Because you've made a very, very good point about, like, you know, Scandinavian supporters who might have come on board for, you know, their players in the past and so on. And, and yeah, no, I, I, you know, why, why we would judge people who have come just maybe ostensibly to watch Sonny um it, it's beyond me I, everyone is welcome i mean as a matter of fact you know the vibe is good i never you know it's it's they it's it's a it's, it makes me feel good to see people yeah. who love any element of our club at our stadium and you i know? suppose actually i mean you know it's not really any different to you know you talking about you watching brazil is it or you know keeping an eye out for brazil exactly. it's kind of you know or when gaza went to lazio and that kind of thing yeah. it's the same yeah. kind yeah, of yeah. thing yeah you then have a soft spot i was in the stands in that 94 world cup final and and that all the sepultura boys were, were putting the wall the, the paint on and they looked at me and i said i can't i can't go that far because i am I, I, you know that's a bit much that's a bit wanky isn't it and they're like no they're like you're one of us you've been watching this tournament you've been to every game but the semi like you're one of us just put two stripes and so they they had me put two stripes on either side i had my tatty old brazil t-shirt on and it felt great you know and they welcomed me and i'd like to think that we we, we do the same whether we do the same uh for you know people coming to to watch sunny from from south korea yeah i, I think it's it's not a crime no right then come on a couple of quick ones just to wrap up yep. so Watching a game through your phone or filming the whole thing on your phone, filming yourself on the phone in the stadium so you can share it with your friends on TikTok or wherever else. No, put it down 
sneak a picture if you must maybe sneak a little video after a goal celebration try and be aware of your surroundings <laughs> don't fucking hold the thing out like you're Stanley Kubrick or you know Cecil B DeMille no uh, other, subtle or fuck off but, um, how's you get that this, you get this at gigs though don't you as well where oh it's just yeah, right, the same answer life, subtle basically. or fuck off right so, so, so you, <laughs> you're, you're in the Bob Dylan school are you where you're going to confiscate all the phones as people come in and put them in a locker so people can't film the set if people are too thick to figure out that the experience of a concert is to actually experience it as it's happening <laughs> and not through your phone then yes absolutely I, I, I the zoom is fine by me not yeah. an ounce of grump there was there no, no. It's... Steph will do a light one this week. No, <laughs> keep, keep, the I... tone, keep the tone light, I said. I, I completely agree with Steph, really. It's just complete bollocks, all that kind of behaviour. I mean, there's been a bit of that with the old, with some of the coverage at the World Cup where you see people experiencing great moments for their country, but uh, just desperate to, you know, get their iPhone or whatever out to film it. But um, no, I'm not having it. I think, you know, it... it I just I can't see I can't quite understand I still just can't sort of join the dots of why people do it really because like millions of people are doing that same thing and it's kind of if you don't live that moment then <laughs> is it because you then want to live it when you get home in the evening through your phone you'll get it's the same kind of, picture from yeah, know, the bloke the, next to you who's doing yeah, it this right is what I mean, mean. So you, so you can still access probably some of those kind of images but you could just as you say Steph there'll be someone else that's more willing to just like lose that in the moment experience by getting their phone out fiddling with it and trying to get the record button pressed where's What's happened to football when people are getting their phones out instead of hugging the bloke next to them that they've never met at their joy of a goal? Isn't that what football's yeah. about? Like you well, jump and you just they, like they fucked off five minutes it. earlier. There's no one left around <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. You've got to... <laughs> yeah. oh, oh no, the nightmare. I know. It's just... I knew I liked to weigh games more. <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay, so kind of final one, just to wrap up. Have we established that that was a crime? No, that's a crime. <laughs> I, I've just. I just left it. You're moaning about it, really. I've just <laughs> and and which is a really nice segue into kind of middle aged grumpy men who phone into radio stations after a game and put the world to rights and say that it wasn't quite like it was as in in their youth. We're talking kind of football phone ins and well, the people who phone into them, I think probably rather than the phone ins themselves, although obviously the radio stations feed that all in. I mean, Steph, this angers you, doesn't it? Well, uh, in the interests of full disclosure and hypocrisy, I have come a long way from the times that I did occasionally used to call into these phone-ins and <laughs> attempt to make what I thought was common sense and slowly but surely realised, hang on, I'm getting on a phone to call England to complain about a, someone who's a wanker, which surely at the very least makes me a wanker, if not actually doubles me as a wanker. So I realised that talk sport had to go off the menu because it was just ludicrous and it was shrinking the size of my already small brain um and uh and then so and so yeah 606 is the one that i still occasionally find myself listening to uh but it is i i think increasingly a crime against football it's these people that offer nothing other than fake controversy and and, and bullshit so um you know having been a criminal myself once i can now preach against it however if you know five live ever want the views of the game is about glory i'm sure one of us will whore ourselves out in uh, in order to get no it's 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 not good it's a crime if that ever happens I'm, we should send them gareth so they don't they don't get um <laughs> they get very considered and measured opinion 
backed up by evidence, which is exactly the opposite of what they want. It's what they actually need, these things. They need someone who can actually tell them what the fuck's going on, as opposed to the claptrap and nonsense they dribble out. Chris Sutton, I'm talking about you in particular, which shows that I listen still, which is a shame. I I don't think they'd be able to handle that, would they? They'd have to sort of drop the call somewhere. Oh, I think think we've lost that caller. Gareth, (laughs) Gareth, are you there? No. But it's, I think the value of them has just deteriorated over the, and I don't know whether you get yes. older and you just get a bit more kind of wiser to bollocks and you just, your, your bollocks radar is a bit more like kind of tuned in, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I just think your bollocks radar, you just think it's quite, well, you, you, I think you maybe you distill things a bit better when you're older and you just think this is just adding no value to me whatsoever all my life. And it's just repetitive and it's quite, and I tell you, on the talk sport level, it's actually quite draining. When you listen to it, it's quite draining. I think the nature of them has changed. They've become more exaggerated, as pretty much all yeah. of our media has yeah, been. Yeah. As you know, yeah. it's a more hundred percent. Yeah, there are thousands of radio stations. You, know, you talk back to six oh six, and that was the mm. first to really do this kind of thing in that this country. And there wasn't really any com- competition. I mean, six oh six predates Talksport and and all the others. Yeah. And they've all got more and more extreme, and they they all you know, hire people to say stupid stuff to rile people up in either for a clip to put out on social media or in in order to provoke people into responding on the phone for the next hour. It's all heat and no light, isn't it? it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like what you said, Ricky, about like hopefully getting a little older and wiser, a little more mature. But in my case, I have to admit there's still a, a whiff of tack about me that sometimes has to remind myself not to call in and respond. You know, much the same way as I still have to remind myself, no, don't even try and think you can get away with wearing leather trousers. You will look like a twat. So there's, I mean, you know, me personally, there's a little bit, it, they kind of fish a little bit, but I'm not going for it anymore. And it is now a, con- a crime to me. What I'd say is just don't listen to them, Steph. I haven't listened to one for, yes. you know, certainly 20, 20, more than 20 years. And therefore, I'm just, I'm kind of completely unaware of them and, and never get the urge to phone in. So that's what I'd recommend. Yeah, no, I mean, when I say that, I'm sort of a little bit tongue in cheek. I mean, the point is I still listen to them a couple of, maybe once a week or so. And I know, I sort of hate myself. It's a bit like, you know, if you eat too much chocolate, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be really doing that. Oh, fuck it. It's like, it's one of those things. And, you know, truthfully, I, think- I don't think they're very good. And I do think at this point, due to the exaggeration, they are actually a crime against football. But I cannot, with clear conscience, say that I have not in my time been a criminal. I think it would be uh, churlish not to admit that. I think what's a bigger crime, though, because even some of my friends do this, is when they actually share the clips around of some of these people and and sort of say this is the gospel. Look, oh, he's got this bang on. Listen to this. Yeah. And it's just like, mm. but he's not even saying that with any kind of like real conscience. He's saying that because, as you say, Milo, that he's probably been told by the producer that we've got to like hype this up a bit. We've got to get people going. And mm-hmm. they're just honestly, some of it just it doesn't doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. And of course, it's. Um, it's on to something else the next day. That's like yesterday's news. The old kind of, I think it was the old chip paper thing they used to send the newspapers days, isn't it? So I think that's the perfect place to leave it. Let's yeah. leave our radio phones there and and say thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. Before we go, there's one last piece of news. So the FA Cup third round draw is on Monday, which you might be listening to this before the draw, just about. Let's see. Um, we're ball number thirty nine, and if you're in the UK, the draw's on BBC Two at seven o'clock. Who would we like? Maybe what what type of club would we like? I think might be a better question. Um, uh, for me, Portsmouth away, so I can actually go to Fratton Park and see a Tottenham Hotspur player play. So that would be me. Well, Scarlet might be in there. Might, might be recalled and in our lineup for that game. You never know. It might be. Yeah. I tell you what would be a, a really 
cool game would be i mean i'm not so sure we'd find it easy but just in terms of reminding people how you know fallen giants were indeed once giants and may still be big clubs would be like sunderland away i mean sunderland are a massive club who should not be where they are and have tremendous support and it would be nice to remind put them back in the spotlight a little bit i don't know Spurs connections there as well now I'll, I'll go Sunderland. I'll go Sunderland at home, just for the fact that I think that the the Roker roar, if you will, at a at, at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, be a great day out. And I'd like to think that we can take care of business, and everyone would have a good time, and they'd make some money, and so on and so forth. I'll go Wrexham because I'm enjoying watching. Welcome to Wrexham. Is that yeah, good? Yeah. Is it? Is that? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's yeah. Really okay. Good. I'll watch that. I'll so, start watching that. Wow, you get TV tips here as well, folks. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I'm gonna. I have to watch it. It's no, brilliant. It it's like really good. good. It's a really good series. It's the best like football TV series I've seen since the Sunderland Till I Die. Okay. Which right. I really wow. really enjoyed. That is that's high praise. As well as charting the team over the season, they do. They've, there's a handful of standalone episodes that cover issues that they also do really well. There's a very good one on hooliganism. Um, there's a good one on just introduction to Wales, which a, a lot of it, again, is kind of geared towards a non-UK audience, but it does a really good job of that. And I watched one on Friday night around the reserve keeper there was getting abuse from the fans. And it's something we've talked about on this pod quite a lot. And he talks quite candidly about the impact that's had on him, uh, both in kind of playing and uh, you know, going to work and training and stuff. So it, it does a really good job of, of covering that kind of stuff in yeah a more open way than you get maybe from the All or Nothing series, which are all a bit gloss and uh, shine and, and yeah. you know, PR. Great. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. It's good. Great. And, well, that's a place to leave it, isn't it? Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. We'll be back next week and every week with some waffly football chat. If you like the pod, please leave a review on iTunes and Spotify. And as always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>